Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, a podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. Today we're going to be discussing executive coaching and how working with a coach can transform your individual leadership and mindset to improve the success of your business. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Sarah Farmer, Director of EMR Consulting. Welcome, Sarah, and how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Nice to see you, and thank you for having me on the show. You're very, very welcome. So so before we get into the, the sort of main discussion, do you want to just give a brief uh, overview of, of who you are and, and what you do? Okay, so... Uh, yeah, I'm an executive coach. Uh, but what is an executive coach? We all do slightly different things. Um, I work with or work with over 500 leaders and their teams and entrepreneurs and job seekers, helping them achieve incredible results, like going from having zero job offers to four in four to six weeks, but also increasing revenues by 10 to 20 million as well. So quite a diverse range of, of experiences and, and outputs. Um, I specialise in working with senior leaders and C-suite executives who are either returning to work post-redundancy or going into their first time senior leadership or board level role. And and I help them develop the the confidence and the skills to be able to exceed their onboarding outcomes. I know we're going to mention the books. I'm not going to go into that now, but I have a book coming out for imposter syndrome sufferers. uh, But we'll talk about that later in the show. Um, and really what I'm aiming for, you know, my big dream in life is to create a world where all senior leaders get coaching, mentoring, support and ongoing development to help them grow emotionally, intelligently, to be able to create high performance environments where everybody is treated with respect and can thrive. So that's what I'm all about. That's what I'm up to. Not much to do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a great job, and uh, looking forward to discussing this in more detail with you. Absolutely, that's a great uh, overview and summary. So you talk about imposter syndrome. This is something that um, you know is is very popular at the moment. It's it's a really hot topic. I've experienced it in the past, so I, I know a little bit about imposter syndrome. But it, it's less of a taboo these days, or it's becoming less of a taboo. I think. So can, can you explain for the for the listeners, you know, what is imposter syndrome and what can you do when you work with with execs um, or, or businesses to, you know, to help them get over this debilitating situation? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So um, first of all, to say is it, it's getting more talked about. It's still massively misunderstood. And the amount of people that say to me, stop talking about things that, are, that don't exist. They don't want to believe that it exists, which is interesting so imposter syndrome does exist it's it's a state where even if we've had great success we believe that we're a fraud that we're going to be found out a lot of people procrastinate over making decisions and it's generally caused from not understanding ourselves well enough we don't have enough of a self-belief and a self-awareness to be able to make great decisions confidently so we start feeling like we're going to get things wrong Mm. and so what I do and, and really we're all in this state a bit um, to some extreme or another. So there's there's extreme over, sorry, extreme imposter syndrome, which is really quite debilitating and can lead to all sorts of illnesses and mental health problems. To the other end, which is extreme overconfidence. Now, people often think, well, how can you have, that can't be imposter syndrome. 
To me, it is. And and the book that I've written describes it as such, because anything that stops you performing to your very best and impacts others is a form of imposter syndrome. If I'm if I'm being something that I don't need to be and upsetting people and being pretty horrible about it, I'm still causing a problem for the organisation. So it's a bit of a leap to see one to the other. But actually, there's this bit in the middle, this utopic state Mm -hmm. where people have an unshakable self-belief with zero ego. And this is where I get them to where they understand themselves, trust themselves, can make better decisions, feel confident, but not overconfident. Yeah, it's a really nice place to be in. Really important when people are looking for jobs or also when they're going into their onboarding first 90 days, we're building trust. and having an impact quickly is so vital. Mm. So does that answer your question? It does. Um, and it sort of sparks the, the thought in my mind of everybody could eradicate whatever form of imposter syndrome they had. Wouldn't that make for, a, you know, an awesome company mm. culture, you know, because the certainly the, the overconfident imposter syndrome uh, individuals, uh, you know, do add to that toxic culture i think sometimes um so you've got, yeah you've got the toxicity at one end and then you've got what appears to be complete submission at the other and, and neither of them are healthy to an organization yeah, yeah. when we're looking at organization productivity and growth you don't want either absolutely um but i don't i mean what i will say is you if we for those of us that have imposter syndrome i have i've had it i i've got it under control is um if you, if you learn how to control it, you can show up and be your very best self, but it never ever completely goes. And I kind of think having this low, but not no imposter syndrome is a really important definition to think about is if you never ever checked yourself or thought a little longer about something, you'd be slipping over into a bit of an ego overconfidence. So this is kind of low, but no, sorry, not no, but low imposter syndrome that we that I help my clients aim for and achieve. And it leads them to pretty incredible things. Doors open they didn't know were gonna open before. You see things that you didn't see before. You, you People warm to you. You become, I describe it as becoming a bit sparkly. People are like, oh, sparkle. You know, we wanna, yeah. we wanna be with a sparkly person. Yeah. You give off a different aura uh, when you feel like that. And it's very rewarding for people to be with you when you're in that state. Yeah without giving away all of your uh, secrets and, and, and tips how do you actually help execs or, or job seekers you know uh, overcome or, or get imposter syndrome in, in check there's a five-step system that i use there's a five-step system that i use and the first step is all about evaluating so understanding where it's coming from why you've got it where it's showing up because what we do with imposter syndrome sorry when we're in imposter syndrome or self-limiting belief type state we are working unconsciously or subconsciously in our brains. So my first job is to get them into a conscious state where they're recognizing what they're doing, why they're doing it and where that's coming from. Now, a lot, a lot of the time we go back oh, when I was 14, this thing happened on the bus and where it started. You're like, okay. So, but once you know where it started from, we can start to say, well, do you want this or not? No, why not? The next thing is, how's it impacting you? And I look at, mental health, physical health, financial wealth, and anything else. And who else is it impacting? The reason we do that is not to go, oh, scaremongering, you must stop. It's because until our brain realizes how much damage and how much, how much of a block we're giving ourselves, 
we're not incentivized to look for something new to do. And the reason that's a problem is that anything new, anything that's involving change, elicits a fear response. Mm. And as soon as we feel fear, we decide we don't want to do it. So we get caught in this catch-22 of, I don't want to feel like this, but I'm scared of doing the other thing, even though it's going to be better. So we do a lot of work on what you're doing, why you're doing it, where's it coming from, who's it impacting, how is it making other people feel, what's the ripple effect, what's the impact, the answer's no. We then create a new mantra, a new narrative, which is the opposite to everything you were saying, thinking, believing and feeling about yourself before. Mm. Then that is practiced, rehearsed, practiced, rehearsed. You use it every time your brain goes into this space where you'd normally go down a doom loop of I can't, I shouldn't, I wouldn't. Um, and then the very last stage is helping people see the difference you're making in the work that you do. So it's yeah, it's a nice steady flow. The front, the front end is quite uh, the people because it's a bit uncomfortable. But once they get to that middle bit where you're generating this new feelings, thoughts, beliefs about yourself, then they're like, whoa, I'm off. And the difference is just incredible, absolutely incredible. So Would that's you, my that's my five steps. So I was thinking, you know, if if individuals have been through this process of uh, you know realizing wh where they've been, they've got into this new state of um, having their imposter syndrome uh, held held in check. Yes. Are the people that you're working with or, or the people that you have worked with, are they then more inclined to help others and, and understand, you know, does that sort of boost that empathy for others that might have been through that journey? I mean, it's it's almost like it would seem to me almost like an infectious type of positive process that they go through. So do you is this the rip, one of the ripple effects that, um, you know, is, is an outcome? For, the, for this exercise, would you say? It, yeah, it's a really good question because what I've given you is kind of the overview of how we take control of imposter syndrome and keep it in mm. check. But actually what happens as a result of that is, so we're understanding yeah. why we behave in certain ways, why we get upset, why we're reacting to things badly. Um, and all of those, you know, all of these things about emotional intelligence, which we didn't know before. So although it's a let's get over imposter syndrome or take control of it, the stuff happening underneath is better because you understand yourself better, but it also does make you more empathetic and, and notice where other yep. people are as well. And my big aim for this is that anybody that learns it has it as a leadership skill that they then lead other people with and teach yep. it to other people. Um, because like you said right at the beginning, if we had a world where everybody could control it, wouldn't it be better? Mm. We'd be happier, we'd be healthier. The other big thing it has an impact on is attrition rates, because if the leader is more self-aware and empathetic, they have lower attrition rates, mental health issues like um, that, are, that lead to absenteeism and presenteeism, all massively reduced. Yeah. You know, the knock-on effect is incredible. It's not just that, oh, my mindset's a bit better. Actually, this is a business essential tool for all leaders to have and understand. Absolutely. And um, I mean, we'll just get on to to onboarding in, in, in a second, but it, it's mm. almost like, you know, things like onboarding and helping employees or, you know, exec team getting over imposter syndrome. It should be part of every sort of business's people strategy, you know, because of the, 
the knock-on effect. It should be. The, the problem is, Jeff, is that it's still a real, people don't want to tell people they've got it. They don't want to say, how do you, how do you say to someone, I'm a senior leader, I'm joining your organisation, and I'm a little bit freaked out. I mean, how do you say that without people thinking, should we have employed you? Oh, my goodness. You know, no. When I talk about the stories uh, on LinkedIn about the people I work with, I'm not allowed to mention their names. They are still embarrassed, even though they're getting over it. They're embarrassed to admit they have it. And that's what needs to change is the HR departments need to go. This is the best kept secret in the boardroom. Yeah. Everybody's am I allowed to swear a little bit. Everybody's shitting themselves just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and no one's admitting it. Now, if we could just admit it and go, actually, it's perfectly normal to feel a bit anxious, to second guess myself sometimes. But when I know how to control that, we'll all be better. Let's stop pretending it doesn't exist. Because every senior leader that I speak to, every C-suite, every board, board level person behind the scenes says to me, I don't actually know completely what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> they do, but they have this bit of, I'm still 12. How can I be yeah. doing this grown-up job? And we all have a bit of that, unless we're overconfident and arrogant. That's a different Absolutely. story. Yeah. It can be quite a lonely place as well, can't it? If, if, Very. If you've got that imposter syndrome, wherever it is on the on the spectrum, yeah, it's like anything else. You know, you, you need to try and share that problem. It's a problem, isn't it? You know, it's a problem for me when I've had it in the past. And, you know, it sort of comes back momentarily every, every once in a while. And, have to try and beat it down with a stick and you know go away <laughs> it's, it's to talk to people about it and um you know there, therein lies the you know the value in in what you do with with executive coaching it's about mental resilience as well so this you know we talk about what else do you get from this people are some people are born mentally tough and they're able to just cope with things better than others but they're few and far between some of us have to learn to be mentally resilient so this is mental resilience training you know call it what you like develop an unshakable belief but when your when your mind is stronger you are better simple it's that simple and not everybody's mind is as strong as it could be and when they work with me it becomes much stronger and that's why better results happen um but yeah so i notice one of the other topics that you've been talking about a lot recently is on board part of the you know the recruitment hiring and retention uh, process so from a, a recruiter's perspective you know it's always good to know that your your clients have got a formalized and structured onboarding process um there are still lots of organizations out there as you know that uh, fail um abysmally at, at onboarding and then suffer the consequences so it's a really important part of the of the hiring and retention process. Um, as I said earlier, it should be part of the, a key part of the people's strategy of every business. So what are you currently working on, Sarah, that, that can help businesses and individual execs specifically with, with onboarding? Okay, so the, the thing about onboarding is only about 12% of organizations are actually doing it effectively, which is way too low. Mm. So there's, there's a big deficit in the majority of organizations. People that think they're doing it well are often missing that someone has to do and setting up meetings and meeting individuals. They, maybe they do that. What they're forgetting is the human need behind it. Yeah. Someone that you can trust. So the people that I work with who are onboarding and smashing it, like getting, getting promotions in six weeks, I mean, that's beyond exceeding onboarding expectations. They are going in more confident they have someone they can talk to outside of the organization that is there purely for them. Yep. The intent with me is purely to 
holds up the mirror. What are you doing? How could this be better? Reminding them of the skills that help them build trust and communicate because it's when you're under pressure and you're starting a new job, because your tension is higher, your ability to communicate, build trust, do all those little things that you used to be able to do when you were calmer have gone, yeah. suddenly become, you know, all you're obsessed is I've got to get a result. So having somebody that is looking after you and is there to hear your every fear with no, there's no judgment. You're allowed to say what you want, how you want, when you want, and be able to be picked back up and invigorated whenever you yeah. need it. That's what makes a difference. So I was, I mean, this, I've got the, I don't know if you can see, I've got the first 90 days behind me. It's a great book. It's a strategy, but it's not about the human. There's no human in there. It's just do this, do this. Well, what about if I don't feel great? Yeah. What about if I've had a bad day? What about if I'm feeling a bit wobbly? What if my te- my new SLT hate me or I hate them? <laughs> um, what happens is people are brought on board at a very high level and they're expected to just go and, smash it Mm. and we forget they are just humans and they still need looking after and where you put an executive coach in with those people the retention rates and the success rates are so much higher and of course they are it makes sense you've got somebody in your corner fighting with you and if you think of the cost I mean you'll know better than me but the cost of a failed CEO or C-suite hire is in the hundreds of thousands right And that isn't just the pre, you know, interview, onboarding, everything else. This is the attrition rates from everyone else they've affected, uh, the loss of business, your loss of market share. And the cost of an executive coach for six months, what, 15,000? I mean, really? Where would you spend your money? I, I wouldn't put the risk. I just, I think taking the risk away is massively important. But the joy that they get, and the performance they get outshines any money you could spend on that anyway. Absolutely. Well, quite often the exec roles are, they're intrinsically business critical, aren't they? You know, there's, there's very little are. room for error. So um, it's important that, you know, top talent is, is found. It's, it's, it's hired, it's retained. Yes. It's looked <laughs> after and, and maximised, you know, and people yeah. are, you know, I think sometimes with, uh, with managerial and executive candidates, you know, I think sometimes businesses assume that because they've got to such a level in their career that they're not like somebody maybe working on the shop floor or, you know, in a, in a sort of lower uh, sort of tier of the business that they don't go through these same human thoughts and feelings. They're still yes. a newbie. They're still a new yeah. starter, aren't they? Everyone, everyone I've spoken to says the same thing. They're all senior. They're all C-suite. Some are MDs. You know, they've got yeah hundreds and hundreds of thousands sorry millions responsibility under their belt and they walk through that door and they all go "Mm," because I may have done it before but what's to say I'm going to be able to do it again that is a normal human reaction and if you have such an ego drive that you think it's no problem you're probably going to really be upsetting people along the way so either way there's this bit in the middle this utopic state where I've got this, I'm going to check myself and I'm going to check in with someone and feel, you know, make sure I'm doing the right thing. But I've got this is a a more productive and more powerful and more money making state to be in for for anybody. Yeah. But yeah, we're still just humans. You know, doesn't matter. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So EMR consulting, what what, you in your seventh year now? Is that right? 
uh, I think this might be my eighth year. Eighth year, eighth year, crikey. 2015. Okay, okay. No, next so, year will be my eighth year, yes, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you how do you know or how do you sort of qualify if if a if a business or an individual is going to be a right fit for you or or vice versa? How, how do you sort of match the you know how how do you bridge that gap between what what you can offer and the the needs of the the individual or the business? Um, there has to be some conversations, of mm. course. Uh, the, you're absolutely right about the match. There has to be a match. Not every coach is right for every client. And I've, I've said no to some clients and clients have said no to me because we're yeah. just not the right fit. Now, I'm no shrinking violet. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty tough, but there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of energy. I sing sometimes. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. <laughs> but some, you know, all sorts of things come out. But it's a very you, you've got to have the right person ready for you and vice versa. Yeah. I only work with people that really want to put the effort in and are really driven to achieve more and want to care about people and put people first. If I feel this is all about personal gain, I find that very, very difficult to work with. That probably wouldn't last very long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's always an, a, an initial conversation to understand where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's stopping you? So what's in that gap between A and B? It's a bit of you know, diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, and then understanding whether I can do that with them and for them. Uh, and then if we're the right fit and if we are, it's magical. If it's not, it's, you know, who else could I recommend to you? Because I work with lots of different executive coaches as well who have different styles, different focuses. But if we're talking about mindset, if we're talking about emotional intelligence and we're talking about leadership excellence and we're a good fit, boy, are we going to have fun. So have you got, let's say, three three top tips for either businesses or individuals considering using an external executive coach and in particular you know for things like onboarding or, or imposter syndrome what, what would you I, uh, what would you advocate I would well I'd, I'd do some research and I would talk to several um because you'll get a feel for who that right person is and everybody that talks to me is always talking to two three sometimes yeah. four other coaches you can tell in the first few minutes whether it's going to work or not uh, it's not about most of us who are highly trained have got the skills, but not everybody has skills in everything. So think about if they haven't helped you diagnose what the real problem is and what you need to work on and what you benefit from working on. They're probably not a very good coach. They're probably just going to sit and listen to you and be more counselly. That's not what you need. Um, you need a coach mentor, really, that can teach you some stuff, hold the mirror up, be kind, be the support, be everything. So look for what they specialize in, mm. check that you like them and also make sure you're ready to put the work in because we don't, we don't do the work for you. Yeah. you know, we really encourage you and inspire you and energize you to do the work or create the environment where you can be all of those things. Yeah. But you have to be ready. Otherwise it won't work. And I've worked with a couple of people like that in the past where I felt a complete failure this was back in the early days. And I looked at it and thought, they just weren't ready. And I should have known that. So I'm much better now at going, are you really ready? <laughs> and if they are absolute guns blazing, when can we book in? We know we're onto something. If we've got, well, well I'll think about it for a week. Okay, bye-bye. You're not yeah. ready yet. Yeah. Or I'm not the right person. So research, speak, diagnose, think, think it through. And then don't think it through too hard because a lot of people procrastinate for so long going, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Yeah. 
just do it. We know that everybody that works with a coach, you think about tennis players, football players, they don't become stars by going, I'll read a book about this. That won't help you. Knowledge is not power. Action is power with the right knowledge. Yeah. But knowing how you're doing and having somebody strong enough to hold the mirror up to you and say, can you see what you're doing? Can you hear what you're saying? Where's that feeling coming from? And then moving you forward, that's powerful. So aside from EMR coaching, um, I, I know you've been involved in a couple of other interesting projects recently. We, we sort of alluded to uh, your book. We'll talk about that in just a second. But there's also the business brunch. Can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? If they haven't already seen the business brunch on LinkedIn, what's it about? Where have they been? Okay, so <laughs> what happened, I'll just give you why it happened. So back in, I think it was November, early November last year, obviously COVID was still very much a thing. People were still working from home, as a lot of people are. And I was listening to one of my co-hosts, Vanessa Ashworth, who you've also had on the show, who's awesome. Yep. And she was doing a video and I just had it on over lunchtime and she was chatting away. And in my mind, I was kind of chatting back because I was feeling a bit lonely. I do sound sad. Um, but, it, you know, you've been on your own quite a lot. You're going a bit stir crazy. And so I had an idea. and I thought, why don't we create a show where people haven't got someone to chat to? They haven't got a working from home team. Leaders aren't leading them as well as they could be because we're all so remote. People are feeling isolated and a bit lonely and confused. So I rang Vanessa and I also rang Melinda Ward, who's the other co-host, and said, I've had an idea. Shall we put on this show? And I didn't really know what it was going to do. It was supposed to be just to connect and entertain, but also to teach people some stuff. Yeah. And over the over the months, it's really developed and it's now the business brunch. Uh, it was LinkedIn Ladies Loose and Live or something before, but it's gone a bit more serious and grown up now. And every week we pick a topic that leaders, aspiring or inspiring and entrepreneurs can learn from for free and connect to like-minded people. Um, and it's getting more and more traction. We've got people from all over the world watching it. It's, it's, in, it's incredible. Um, you can catch it on replay as well. So if you're not there at 12.30 UK time, you can watch it later. And there's a bit of a 10 minute preamble when we're checking in with people, asking people how they are, what their weekends are like. If you don't want any of that, just skip through to 10 minutes in and you're straight into the juice. And we have guests. We've had you on the show. Uh, we've had all sorts of authors on the show. It's yeah, it's it's incredible. Next week's show, actually, I don't know when this is going out, but we've got uh, a LinkedIn specialist coming on. So anything that's going to help leaders shine, yep. show up, be stronger, understand more, be self-aware. That's what we're all about. So this this goes out every Monday, 12.30 on LinkedIn and LinkedIn, I... YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's everywhere. But mainly our viewers come from um, from LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, the rest is just on our feeds wherever we are so other people can catch up on it. But yeah, 12.30 to 1.15 UK time, uh, which is I think 7.30 in the morning Eastern time and 1.30 European Central East. Is that CET, is that? Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and so the book, I've, I, I don't even know what the book's called at the moment. I know you've Neither been working <laughs> away on this on this book for months. What, how did that all come about? Was it a passion project? Did you have a spark of inspiration one day and decide to do it? Or I suffered with imposter syndrome as a child. 
and have done severely through my more adult work life where I at the hands of really seriously awful leaders who, who just wrecked my self-belief and gave me I just incredible anxiety. Um, so the, the dream about EMR consulting was to create leaders and help develop environments where that didn't happen anymore. The reason the book came about is that I wanted to get my message out and I didn't know how to do it because you know I've got this this five-step system and it was working and how do I tell people about it and I came across a gentleman called Daniel Priestley who runs a course called the key person of influence he's amazing and I joined the program and part of that program is you get to write a book but in my usual expressive fast speed mindset went can I just write the book now because I thought if I don't do it while I'm thinking about it I'm never going to do it. I'm going to freak out and the imposter syndrome will come again. What do you know? How could you write a book on this? So I just did it. And I spent four months working oh, every hour God sends anyway, but weekends writing up to 40,000 words. I've done it. It's in for editing. I'm so relieved. I'm never writing another book ever. Well, maybe ever again, but I did it. I did it and it's going to go out. And what I want for this book is that everybody can pick it up who suffers with imposter syndrome, if they're a leader or not. It is for leaders. I don't know what the title is yet. We're working on that. Leader okay. Unleashed or something. But it's all about taking control of imposter syndrome, five step system to take you from a bit wobbly or a bit over the top into that utopic state of unshakable belief, zero ego loads of opportunities loads more success more importantly more fulfillment more happiness and that has got to be a better place to live in up there than ah, i'm a fraud absolutely well let me know when it's going to come out i will gladly buy one of your first copies or if i can pre-order <laughs> i'll do it today All um, right. sounds like an amazing book really a really useful resource uh, as you say it's it's for execs and leaders but for anybody really with, with um with imposter syndrome so. the reason the reason i've said it's for leaders is because i've done an additional chapter which is all about um how to coach i've done lots of little extra bits that i do on my onboarding programs as well so a bit about the scarf model human psychological needs so there's lots of add-ons in there which yeah. anyone can read actually but yeah i've tried to make it as rounded as possible um yeah i'm very excited can't wait Brilliant. Well, you and me both. So what, what's next for, for the rest of uh, 2022? We're just approaching the second half of this year. It, I don't know where time's gone. So what, what else have you got planned? Like, I'd like to go to sleep for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> sleep like, is good, apparently. <laughs> I'd like to go to sleep for it. Um, what's coming up is the Eagle Development Programme, which is, um, the Eagle is the, is the five-step system. It's called the Eagle. Um, that's program is has been run one-to-one -one with lots of people but i've run two beta courses with it which are just coming to an end this week actually and next week so the the launch date of the first official program is in september um so all my efforts will be going towards helping people understand what that is making sure the right people see it hear about it and come on it um and i'm also absolutely you know round with one-to-one -one clients as well uh, which yep. is brilliant. I've got an amazing bunch of clients. So I'll be continuing to service those and looking after them and helping them shine. Um, and then there's a couple of side projects going on as well, which is I've got a course, which is the interview success accelerator for those people who are wanting to get back into work and maybe struggling to get the interviews or struggling to get past 
interview stage, yep. Um, yep. which I curated two years ago, but I haven't had time to do anything with it. So I'm talking to a couple of people, one of them will be you, obviously, um, about that and how we might be able to help people get hold of that, create a few online courses. So a lot going on and then sleep. Yeah, so maybe a holiday in there. It sounds like you. Uh, yeah, I need one of those. Brilliant. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Some great topics. I, I know the audience are going to be keen to to learn more about imposter syndrome. Maybe they have it. Maybe they uh, they need some some help. And uh, the book sounds absolutely amazing. So oh, we, we'll you. be looking out for that. So thank you. thank you for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure. Uh, that pretty much wraps up today's episode. So uh, I hope the audience has enjoyed our discussion. Uh, thanks again to Sarah Farmer. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time and bye-bye.